One more passage. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 3 and we'll read verses 1 through 8. The Apostle Paul writes, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcise the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. The word of the Lord. Well, this morning we move from chapter 2. We've been in chapter 2, and we're going to move to chapter 3, right? (laughs) We're moving from being exhorted to unity and harmony, from facing the world shoulder to shoulder and looking at each other, as we did last night in our fellowship, uh, around singing and, and the Word and so much good food, to a particular problem that we find in chapter 3. This is a particular problem that followed Paul around wherever he went. Now, Paul had a pattern. When he went to a, a city, he would go to that city and he would find the synagogue. If there were ten men in the city, Jews, they would have a synagogue. He would go to the synagogue, preach the gospel. There would be reactions. There would be those who believed that Jesus was the Messiah, and there would be those who did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and they would try to drive him out of town. You can read the book of Acts and see that, that pattern. But there was also another pattern, and that is that there were Judaizers. And the Judaizers were a little different. There were those when, when Paul would preach at the synagogue who would believe that Jesus was the, was the Messiah, and there would be those who did not. But the Judaizers, they were sort of a combination. They, they believed that you put your faith in Christ, but you had to add something to faith in Christ. Paul was preaching faith in Christ alone apart from works, but the Judaizers, they were preaching faith in Christ plus circumcision. And wherever Paul would go, there would be this group of folks called Judaizers who would always come along. And this is what they would say to people like those in Philippi. You're not quite there yet. <laughs> yes, it's good to believe in Jesus Christ, but you need to have this ritual called circumcision. You need to add something, this ceremony, to your faith. And so in verse 1, the apostle, he, he turns to this issue and he writes in verse 1, he says, To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard to you. There's no doubt he talked about the Judaizers when he was there. There's the possibility they'd have wrote a letter to them somewhere between this letter and the, and the uh, time he was there, re- alerting them to the Judaizers. 
He sent Timothy to them in the past to talk about this. And now he says it's not a trouble to write about this again as a safeguard against this skewed, this false gospel. So first, we're going to see the controversy. One commentator put it like this. Here we see Paul the controversialist. This is a point that we can't agree to disagree on. This is not pedo-baptism versus uh, credo-baptism. I mean, or, yeah. This is not, you know, this is not uh, eschatology that we can agree maybe to disagree on. This is not Presbyterian government versus congregational government. This is something that's primary, and if we don't get this right, it has eternal consequences. So the controversy Paul, the controversialist, enters into is with one single group, one single foe. It's these folks called Judaizers who add works or add a ritual to faith in Christ alone. And he gives us three a threefold command, or we could call it a threefold warning. I read it slowly. And one of the things they teach you to do, and I'll tell you all something. When I was in seminary class, <laughs> they talked about reading the text, the oral interpretation of the text. had no idea what that meant. And then, some, then somebody told me, he said, well, that's just how you read the text. And so I tried to read the text to you guys. Did you hear? Beware. Isn't that, isn't that something they say in Winnie the Pooh? Beware, beware, be very, very aware. You know. Beware of these folks. Look out for these Judaizers. This is some very serious language here. It's the language of seeking to protect a child from danger. And there's these folks who are standing out there and they're saying this. There's always going to be folks standing around saying, Faith in Christ plus Faith alone, they may even say faith alone, but then they'll say plus. I mean, it doesn't even make sense, but they say it. Always plus, always something else. There's only two ways to God. One is you have to be justified by faith alone, or you have to be justified by your own works. We're going to see that in a minute. And that being justified by your own works, that never works. Because none of our works are good enough. There's only two ways to be justified, and, there's only, and one has eternal consequences of entering into heaven, and one causes you to enter into a place we don't even like to talk about. So we see this threefold warning, beware, three times. And then he gives us a threefold description of these guys. Beware of dogs, the dogs, beware of evil workers. And he says beware of false circumcision, or basically that word means mutilators. Now we've heard that word more in our uh, recent past two or three years, so we kind of have a better idea what that means. Beware of the dogs. Anybody who says by fa- that that attacks this doctrine by faith in Christ alone, apart from works. Anybody who says something different than that, that's a problem. They're dogs. Now, I think sometimes we might miss the idea of what dogs means here. Um, these dogs are nasty dogs. Now, when I think of dogs, I think about Buster the West Highland White Terrier who used to lay around in the bed and moan and groan and talk to me almost like a human being. And I I think about Buddy, the little pick-a-palm who comes up and lays on top of me or Dolly, the 50-pound Australian Shepherd who gets right in my face and begs for attention. But this term dog, this means they roam the streets. 
They were large, they're scavengers, they're ravenous, they're unclean, and they're barking all the time. And this is what the, this is what the Jews would call Gentiles. Remember, pagans are dogs. And let's think about maybe some Jews talking about Samaritans. What did the Samaritans, what were they, what did they call Samaritans? <laughs> they called them half-breed dogs. Well, Paul is calling the Judaizers dogs, ravenous dogs. You're the ones on the wrong side of salvation. You're the ones who are not saved. He calls them evil workers. Those who attack the doctrine of salvation by faith alone, apart from works, are evil workers. Calvin says, yes, they're workers. <laughs> Remember what we said last couple of weeks? We said, you know, the fellow workers, they're not just workers, but they're fellow workers. Well, these are workers. They're just evil workers. Calvin writes, under the pretext of building up the church, the Judaizers did nothing but ruin and destroy it. There's a good statement. Yelping, yelping for these Gentiles to become complete by going through this ritual called circumcision. And you know, many times, isn't this what we do? Every one of us, we have to say, man, I have this inclination. When I see somebody working, I go, wow, that guy's a worker. I like that. I like that guy's got, you know, he's got his elbow grease in there and he's working really hard. And we're always glad to see a teacher and we're always glad to see somebody rolling up their sleeves and willing to sweat. But these guys are working all right. They're just doing an evil work. They're working really hard, but they're the devil's demolition team. They're not doing Christ's work. They're doing the devil's work as they seek to demolish salvation by faith in Christ alone apart from works. Well, then he calls them false circumcision. And the word circumcision there really can mean mutilators. So he talks about the circumcision that they call for as mutilation. Because you see, if you don't need it, to do any kind of surgery you don't need is to be mutilating your body. That's what he's saying that these guys are doing. Beware of the mutilators. If you add anything to faith in Christ alone, Apart from any works, if you add anything to it, it's to the destruction of your own soul. He says in verse 3, for we are the true circumcision. Well, what's the difference? Well, there's a false circumcision and there's a true circumcision. And these guys are seeking to add something that's unnecessary. Let's think about the old covenant. We had a baptism not too many weeks ago, or several of them. And we said that Abraham receives the sign and seal of circumcision after he believed. He, he receives it after he believed, and he was to put that sign and seal in the flesh of his sons before they believed. Now, those sons had that in their flesh, and it was to preach to them always, God promises to save all those who put their faith in the promises of God, always pointing to what? The circumcision of the heart. This is really important. Now, man, guys, listen, this is just, what, what did Charlie Dennison say? He said, you know, we've learned, the this is the language of heaven, so it takes a little while to get this in. But let me tell you what the Bible says. Paul says this. Are you ready for this? Romans 2, 28 and 29, he calls every true Christian a Jew. You say, I need to say that again. He calls every true Christian a Jew. Now listen to what he says, Romans 2, 28, 29. 
He is not a Jew who is one outwardly, Ben Shapiro, outwardly. Nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, physical surgery. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter, with a knife. And his praise is not from men, but from God. Did you get that? You, if you are a Christian, you are a Jew. (laughs) Now, I don't think about it like that all the time, do you? You and I who are true Christians, we're true, the true circumcision. We don't go, in order to be saved, have any kind of ritual on our body. We don't add anything to our faith. We are the true circumcision. We put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, if somebody has circumcision because their doctor tells them to or, or some other reason, okay, fine, do it for that reason, but don't do it to be saved. Look at what the Apostle Paul does here. The Apostle, think about him. I just love Paul. He's so kind. He's so loving. He's so tender. He's so complimentary of Timothy. I love this guy. He's my son in the faith. I love this guy named Epaphroditus. And he's so full of joy in this letter. And he's so full of thanks. But if you start messing around with the gospel and he loses his mind, he does. In Galatians 1, 6-9, it says this, As the Judaizers are infiltrating the church in Galatia, he says, Let those who add anything to faith in Christ be condemned to hell. Can't get any more point blank than that. This is not the gospel. It is another gospel which is no gospel at all. Galatians 5, 2 through 4. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Okay, if the doctor says go have health, you have health issues, go have at it. But if you do it, if you do it for salvation, you're severed from Christ. Christ is no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he's under obligation to keep the whole law. You have, you have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. So you are either under grace or under law for your justification. If you're under grace, you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, it's faith alone apart from any works. If you're under the law, then you got to go not just be circumcised, you got to go obey every piece and part of the law for your justification. The apostle the apostle's heart for the church of Jesus Christ is faith in Christ alone. And this ought to be the heart of every ministry, it ought to be the heart of every person in this room. I remember uh and if y'all want to go watch it, you surely can. John MacArthur spoke at uh, the funeral service for R.C. Sproul. And when I was probably, I guess I was probably 31 or 32, I remember that the Evangelical and Catholics Together document came out. These, there were six men in this room. R.C. Sproul, D. James Kennedy, and John MacArthur, and there were three other men. I'll leave them unnamed. And R.C. Sproul got on top of the table. And R.C. Sproul is looking at a man that he discipled. He's looking at a man that he loved. He's looking at a man that he used to allow to speak in his conferences. He's, he's died since then. And this is what he said to him in front, front of everybody. I do not think you get it. This is about whether you're saved or not. You see, this is the issue that we need to get up on the table about. I don't know if you're getting this. This is about whether you're saved or not. 
This is not whether you're immersed or not. This is not whether you got the right eschatology or not, or whatever, mine or not. This is about whether you're saved or not. Beware, beware. Faith in Christ alone. Add nothing to it. Well, so the apostle in verse 3 gives us, he identifies the, con- the controversy, the Judaizers. He tells us to beware three times, and he gives us a threefold description of them. And then he follows this with a, what the, a description of the true circumcision, or the true Christians. And what he really does here is he's going to amplify one, but let me give you the points. First, the true circumcision, or you, the true Christian, you worship in the Spirit of God, number one. Number two, the true circumcision glories in Christ. Number three, the true circumcision puts no confidence in the flesh. And this is where we move from the controversy to Paul's confession. Paul begins to explain where you put no confidence in the flesh with his own personal confession. So it begins in verses 4 through 6. And he says, put no confidence in the flesh. Now, um, I don't know. When you think about flesh, there's about, I don't know how many different definitions there are. I didn't go stop and count them all. But I could start listing them out for you. The first one I think about when I think about the flesh is this. This is flesh. That's flesh. But the next thing I think about is not positive. I think about the deeds of the flesh. In Galatians 5.19, we're supposed to put to death the deeds of the flesh and, you know, put to death the sinful deeds and desires of the flesh. We're not talking about that flesh. Here we're talking about man's flesh at its best. You with me? We're talking about man at his moral best, man at his religious best. In verse 4, he moves from the pronoun we to the pronoun I, and now we start talking about Paul. Paul. Paul's going to say, look, you Judaizers, you think you got something to boast in? Let me show you some real flesh. Let me show you some privileged and polished flesh like nobody can compare to me. And probably there was no one who could compare to the Apostle Paul. And what he's going to do, he's going to lay out seven items. And I'm going to put four in, in the, the group called advantages. I'm going to put three in a group called accomplishments. So let's look at Paul's flesh. This is polished. This is privileged flesh. Let's think about his advantages or privileges. Ceremonial advantage. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He could say, I'm an eighth dayer. He, could, he, didn't, he wasn't going to say, hey, look, I came into this business later as a Jew. I, I became a Jew later, a proselyte, and I was circumcised this day. And I, No, no, he was circumcised on the eighth day from the, from the cradle. He knows the promises of God. How can anybody challenge that? You Judaized, can you all challenge that one? <laughs> National advantage of the nation of Israel. He's a member of the nation God chose. He's a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's one of those who received the promises of God. He is pure. Most Judaizers can't produce that kind of purity. He has an ancestral advantage. He's of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, think about it. There's Leah and there's Rachel. And Rachel has the two favorite kids, Joseph and Benjamin. (laughs) And I mean, I am of the Benjamite tribe. And if y'all ever go study about Benjamin, wow, you'll find out that they were some really, really fierce, fierce fighters and warriors. Well, and don't we see that in Saul before he becomes the Apostle Paul? Ancestral advantage. 
He has parental advantage. It says here, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and literally that means a Hebrew son from Hebrew parents. He grew up not just speaking. He, he didn't just know Aramaic. He knew Hebrew. So this is a man, you know, isn't there a song out there? Some of you music folks, isn't there a song out there? You can't touch this. You can't touch this. This is better than ever. This is better than anything out there. Can't touch this. And so, and that, he's not done yet. He's going to add his accomplishments. He's a Pharisee. As to the law, he's a Pharisee. He is theologically accomplished. He studied. He picked the law. He studies the law. He teaches the law. He interprets the law. And he's the one who determines whether you are keeping it or not. As to zeal, he's a persecutor of the church. If you disagree with his interpretation of the law, he's coming after you. He's going to come after you, Jesus. He's going to come after every follower of Jesus Christ. And finally, he's found blameless. As to the righteousness which is in the law, he is found blameless. One commentator puts it like this in regard to Paul's assessment of himself. Conduct and manner of life, ceremonial and moral relation to the law, left nothing to be desired. He's impeccable. He's applauded. This is his flesh. This is privileged flesh. This is polished flesh. This is the best that a man can do. <laughs> this is what it means to put confidence or glory in your own flesh. And what does Paul say to do? Put no confidence in it. All this stuff, put no confidence in it. The first, the primary mark of being a true Christian is not to put confidence in your flesh. Because if you and I put confidence in our attainments and put comp, uh, uh, confidence in all our advantages, what are we doing? We're moving far away from Christ. The true, the true Christian or the true circumcision puts no confidence in their flesh, but glories, puts all their confidence in Jesus Christ alone. This is so clear. <laughs> If you want to go, go meditate on something that helps you out with your understanding of justification by faith in Christ alone, go see what it says. Put no confidence in yourself. Put it all in Christ. All in Christ. Verse 7, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. What are the things? Circumcision. National pride, ancestral pride, my tribe, my, my parents, my theological smarts, my zeal, my blamelessness, all these things, one of them, all of them added together, count for what? He takes it over here and puts it in the what column? The loss column. All of these things, loss. Well, what's in the gain column? Verse 8, but more than that I count all things to be lost, all these things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. Christ is in the gain column. All these things are in the loss column. Knowing Christ Jesus my Lord from whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. The apostle acknowledges all his privileges and all his polished uh, accomplishments as loss in order to gain Christ. Can't you see that walking around <laughs> dazzled with himself? When he sees, he sees his accomplishments. When he sees, he sees his advantages. 
He sees all these things and one day he meets Christ and he begins to see that he's been deceived and all these things hinder him from coming to Christ. All of these things, he would say, are nothing but filthy rags. Nothing is more harmful to your coming to Christ than putting your confidence in your own advantages and in your own accomplishments. We've said in the past, and we're going to say it in a few minutes, it's very important to have advantages. It's good to have advantages, but are you going to trust in your advantages? I want you to think about the man in Luke 18. I want you to think about the publican. He's back there behind Steve. He's right there between Steve and Dwight. There he is back there. Do you see him? He's beating his breast and he has nothing in his hands. And he says, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. That's the man who goes away, goes home justified before God, close to God. And you and I, I want you to think about it. I'm trying to, trying to give you an example. Think about you're a ship owner. And you're on this ship, and your ship is loaded down full of precious cargo. I don't know what it's got on it. Maybe it's got corn. Maybe it's got all sorts of stuff you can sell and make all kinds of money. Maybe it's got a little gold on it. And you're going you're gonna to go take your ship from point A to point B. And when you get over there, you're going to dump all that cargo off, and they're going to fill your pockets full of money. But somewhere between point A and point B, a big storm comes along, and you've got a decision to make. Do I get rid of all the cargo and live, or do I go down with the ship? You've got to make a decision. Do I live another day? And lo- to live another day means I have to lose all my cargo. What do you choose? Well, I'll tell you what you choose. You choose to live another day. <laughs> you let all of this stuff go. That's what we're talking about. Let it all go. National pride, born on the, you know, circumcised on the eighth day. All the things you can call that you can, oh, listen, I am a five-point Calvinist. Don't trust in that. I know about five, five points of Arminianism. Don't trust it just because you know that. Take all of these things and cast them overboard and have Christ. Or what we do is, okay, remember the guy's right there, back there behind Steve. Now we got the Pharisee. He's in the front up here. And what's he doing? He's praying really to himself. And he says, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, especially that guy in the back. Look at me. I come loaded full of good stuff. I am a person who is not unjust. I am not a swindler. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not like the tax gatherer in the back. I'm not beating my breast. I fast two times a week and I pay tithes of everything I get. Look at me. I'm full. And Jesus says, that guy goes home and he doesn't know me. He goes home without any justification. He goes home far from grace. Now, let me, let me talk about this for a second and we'll close. Calvin asked this question, is it necessary for you to renounce your riches to be a Christian? Is it necessary for you to renounce your honor, your nobility of descent, or even external righteousness that we may become partakers of Christ? I mean, in other words, do you have to renounce every advantage you ever have and all your accomplishments to be saved? Is it bad to be born into a wealthy family? No. Is it bad to to have parents who love you so much that they bring you to church? No. Is it bad that you have parents who want to bring you to be baptized? No. Is it bad that you want to have parents who want to take vows in front of the church and say, I'm going to raise them up to nurture and admonition of the Lord? No. We would say that's all really great stuff. 
Not one of these things is to be despised. But don't, he's saying here, you are not to renounce those things as things, but you must not put your trust in those things. You must renounce your trust in them and find all your confidence in Jesus Christ. Let let me add one more application here. Think about your character. Let's say that you've been raised to be pure. Let's say that you're a sober person, self-controlled and respectable and honorable. In order to become a Christian, do you have to become impure? (laughs) In order to become a Christian, do you have to become a drunk? (laughs) No. No, it's okay to be sober. But don't walk around like I was when I was 16 years old. I don't smoke and I don't drink and I don't go with the girls who do. That's how I thought I was okay with God. (laughs) That's what he's saying. Don't trust in your character. Character's good, but don't trust in that for your salvation. Put all your confidence in Christ alone. So, where are you putting your confidence this morning? In your flesh? In all those privileges and all that polished, those polished accomplishments? Or are you putting your trust, your confidence in Christ? Everywhere we go, folks, there's always going to be a faction called Judaizers. They may take a different name, but there always will be those who will tell us to add to our faith in Christ something. And that is what we need to be aware of and stay away from. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for Paul and what he has written to us under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. And Father, help us to grasp hold of these words that we are to put all our confidence in Jesus and his precious, perfect work in his life and in his death alone and not in any ritual or any work that we do. We thank you for grace. We thank you for grace that gives us empty hands to receive Jesus Christ and put all our confidence in him. And may we always be aware of what is going on around us. May we always be ready to speak your truth about it. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.